Welcome once again into the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Hey, it's me, Max Barretos. We are rocking and rolling. Gonna give you the recap for the highly anticipated USA-England game. I hope you're able to get with some family and friends or a complete stranger and watch that. It's precious, these World Cup games. I got the Bomb Pop jersey on. Uh, for those watching, this is a simulcast. Watching on my YouTube, Max Bretos. For those listening on the podcast, you can maybe zip in over. You give us a couple views. Give us a couple uh, downloads. Listen to the audio and then see my, my fashion pizzazz here. And I was going to take this off because I was wearing it watching the game at a neighbor's house here in Redondo Beach, California. And then I said, you know what? It's fitting really well. And I realized I've, been tr- tr- I've stopped drinking for the most part and eating fatty foods and carbs. And I was at 212 pounds and I got to like 204 and I've been under the weather the last two days and I got to 200 pounds. So the sickness, so there you go. Look, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Still fits very tight. I gotta drop a few more. Maybe I don't. Maybe I gotta put them all back on. And if I'm gonna put them back on, the best way to do it I don't know if the folks at Farmer John would be thrilled about that, but uh, this is the way to do it. Uh, I found out what my wife needed, the bacon. This is, I got a new fresh pack here. Don't mix out Farmer John bacon. She was making uh, uh, cheese. Was it like, I don't know what kind of cheese. In a date with the bacon wrapped around it. I must have had 15 of those. And I didn't even have an appetite, but I ate them. They were delicious. So there's so much you can do with bacon. And if you are in uh, California and other parts of the country as well, you can get Farmer John. I highly recommend it. They are a proud sponsor of the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. And I cannot recommend their product enough. Get the classic bacon. Get the smokehouse bacon. It it really is uh, the, uh, the creme de la creme when it comes to bacon. A reminder to check out all the social media handles. We are active on a TikTok. There they are. Instagram, Twitter, and yes, right here on YouTube. We are uh, going to recap the U.S. game. I also want to remind you, this is, we, we mentioned guests. We're going to have, we're going to start getting guests on here. It starts today. Uh, my good friend, former U.S. international Brian Dunseth, who works for Sirius XM. He'll be joining me to uh, put an extra layer on the U.S. game against... England, fantastic, scoreless. I'm sure that's driving people crazy. Two straight ties. The American public's like, what is this? I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for goals. I did say on the Soccer OG podcast that the U.S. might get out of the groups with two goals. Not only could they get out of the group, they might win the group with two goals. If they beat Iran 1-0 and Wales get a result over England, the U.S. could win this group. Wouldn't that be... Insane. We shall see. We shall see. Do England need to win? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. They got the goal differential because they beat Iran so well. But we want goals. The U.S., that is the, the missing piece here. You have to be thrilled with what we saw and how they jumped to the occasion. We'll, we'll break it all down. But I think it's important to go in chronological order here. Let us start with the game that was at 5 a.m. Eastern time. Wales-Iran. And a different Iranian team in this game. Wales were listless. Uh, look, I think Wales are incredible for what they did to get here. But now they're at the World Cup. They've, they've played it wrong. And it cost them in this Iranian game. So, 
Late on, was it like the 87th minute, Wayne Hennessy comes off his line, clumsy challenge, VAR review, he is red carded. And then Iran, who had a lot of chances up to that, they hit the woodwork a couple times. Uh, it was 21 shots to 10, six on target to three. And Iran did that with just 38% of possession. I mean, getting 21 shots on 38% possession just shows you how meticulous this Iranian team was. That's really impressive. And I may have given Iran some of the business, but I highly respect them. And they've got to feel great because that victory put them into second place, which means you go through. Uh, goals by Ruzbe Cheshmi, Ramin Reza Ayan, uh, both in stoppage time. And another victory for the Asian teams. I think they have three now. Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Japan. A tie would have been ideal for the U.S. because they could still control uh, the destiny. I mean, they could get a tie in the last game. Uh, based on the result, they'll need to beat Iran on Tuesday. And we're going to be all over that matchup. And it ends up being the biggest game of the groups, which we should have known. But the U.S. have a pulse, and they, they go in there. You know, they were a big underdog against the English. And they were able to, you know, they absorb pressure early on. They, they look like, a, a, like Bermuda playing the U.S. in a CONCACAF qualifier. Didn't touch the ball. And then they switched. And then they got good chance after good chance. The U.S. the corner kicks got corner kicks and the just the crosses. It just it, it's so frustrating. I mean, I don't know if it's frustrating more of the sense that it's just not us, but it's got to become us. This time it looked like the corners by Pulisic were better, but we weren't in the right position. So uh, that's a bit of a concern. A, a quick look at the lineup, and it was you know. You know, a lot of people were going, hey, you got to save these guys who are on yellow cards. No, you don't. You play your best 11, and you play to get the result. And that is what Greg Berhalter did. Matt Turner in the back. Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman, Dest. Same back four, same midfield. Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. McKinney on an extended minutes uh, uh, total. Uh, but he still went a good distance here again. And then Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah with... Haji Wright, Haji Wright, who was not even on the radar a few months ago, now starting the biggest game for the United States and, and many would say ever because of the magnitude of this game. It's going to get a huge number. It's going to get somewhere between 20 and 30 million viewers, I think. Everyone tuned in. You know, uh, Phil down the road was talking to me about it and I had to answer questions and I'm like, oh, Phil, I can't help you, man. These questions, I've been talking about this sport too much, so let's break it down a little bit. But I, I really liked uh, a tweet from Keith Costigan, uh, who's a great follow, and he was talking about, you know, to, you put your reputation on the line by making a selection like Haji Wright, which is what Greg Berhalter did. You've got to enjoy that courage from a, a manager. He could have played it safe and gone in Josh Sargent, but he thought Haji Wright could make a difference. Haji Wright was all right. The number nine continues to be just an empty part of the field. Hopefully we'll figure it out. It feels like it's close, right? It feels like it's about to open up. We shall see if uh, that moment comes. But, but the U.S., you know, after absorbing that pressure, just dominated this game. They were the better team. Uh, they had the better chances. And the starting 11 that came in, we, we had some adjustments. The U.S. late. I know a lot of people just lose their marbles. And they're going, do you have a problem with Gio Reyna? What's going on? 
Gio Reyna did it. He came in later, but he didn't come in because the team that was on the field was doing the job. You could not have been more uh, pleased, really. Forty-five minutes in, they came out in the second half and they picked up where they left off. It was inspiring. But Brendan Aronson came in in the 77th minute for Weston McKinney, which again, that's where they're, they're, they're managing uh, Weston's minutes and he's going to be huge in the Iranian game. We certainly need him. That's going to be physical and nasty. We'll talk more about it when we get in there because it is. And Brian Dunsip will have some interesting thoughts about him. I'll ask him about that. 83rd minute, Gio Reyna uh, for Tim Weah. Josh Sargent for Haji Wright, and also Shaq Moore came in, I forgot to mention, for Serginho Dest. Shaq Moore is the only misstep here. Shouldn't be in there. I mean, this that just felt like, I mean, it would have been a, a great game for Greg Berhalter, and it still was. And we need a moratorium for Berhalter out for like 48 hours, because come on, people. It's so negative. It's so negative there. And I, I just, I want everyone to take a breath and enjoy these games. If there's something egregious, we can talk about it after. But doing it now is counterproductive. Enjoy the games. Enjoy what these players are doing for all of us, bringing this joy. And hopefully the ride continues beyond Tuesday. There's a good chance that it will based on how they played here. But relax, Umberhalter. He did it right. I thought that was an 11 that would please most people. Gio Reyna's not in there. Maybe they're withholding information. But now he's gotten some minutes and with Christian Pulisic having gone two full games, Gio Reyna's role becomes a lot bigger in my estimation. But you have to be pleased about how Matt Turner did. He was playing out of the back, made very safe saves. The back line was excellent. I know everyone wants to jump on Walker Zimmerman for a late bad pass, but he was excellent. The back four just were very good collectively. You know, it wasn't perfect, but man, you can't complain about this. This is England. You know, people watch this game all over the world. They're going to respect this U.S. team because this is a big shock result. This is not supposed to happen. England was supposed to win this comfortably. I thought England was going to win. Uh, the possibility of England running away with it is not far-fetched. Uh, that is great news on that front. The, uh, you know, I, they're going to, U.S. is going to gain fans globally because of the way they play. It's fun to watch, even though they can't score goals. But you get the feeling the goals are just going to come out. It's going to be hard against Iran, who are going to be very defensive. But you figure everything's going to come out here in the wash. But uh, Berhalter, after the game, said, I want to see goals on set pieces. Danny Higginbotham, been a guest on this uh, podcast. Uh, massive. Uh, Maguire has been England's best player today by a distance. That's pretty impressive. And Harry Maguire was very good. The reason he was the best player, because Bukayo Saka and Jude Bellingham were nowhere to be seen. Disappeared. A little bit from Mason Mount, a little bit from Harry Kane. Raheem Sterling disappeared. The U.S. did that. We should be inspired. Got to get goals and we got to get out of the group. And things will certainly get better here for the United States. But uh, take a deep breath. And we'll, we'll circle back. I feel much better about their chances now. Obviously, they didn't get, they almost got the help from uh, the Welsh earlier, but it did slip away. I'm going to rip through quickly some of the other games. There was a really good performance in the big picture of it. Uh, we talked about the Wales-Iran game. Don't want to dwell on Senegal-Qatar too much. This is it for Qatar. I mean, Senegal didn't really kick it into a higher gear. 
and they were able to uh, get the three points, keep themselves alive in that group with the Netherlands and Ecuador. The Qataris who have waited 12 years for this, I'm pretty shocked how there's not that enthusiastic in these games. People were leaving early, there were empty seats. Why, how? How does this happen? Why is there more enthusiastic fan groups than the Qataris? There's no ambience. And I feel bad for these players because the World Cup is never coming back to Qatar. Maybe a long time before it comes out to the Middle East. But this is it. And all these incredible stadiums, and they are spectacular. All of the infrastructure, all that happened. Obviously all the stuff off the field, which is a huge just ordeal. And for having these games, those three games are precious. And I just don't feel that the Qataris have hang, hang, hung on to it as, as they should. They should be, it's just like back to normal. Am I, am I overreacting with that? I don't want to dwell too much on that. I do want to dwell on the Netherlands and Ecuador because everyone thought Netherlands was going to be the team to beat there. But what we saw on Friday is Ecuador is considerably better than the Netherlands. They kicked the Dutch tail, and it was inspiring to see that. Enter Valencia gets his third goal, and there was a play late in the game, 82nd minute. Ball was out of his reach. He goes on a 40-yard sprint to catch it up. The fitness level of this Ecuadorian team is amazing. And sometimes there's a perception that the South American teams don't have that level. But they ran the Dutch into the ground, outshot them, out-executed them. They looked technically gifted in every way. Ecuador is better than the Netherlands. I can say that with conviction. That's how impressive they were. And they should win this group. They'll play Senegal next. Senegal has a shot. Senegal's talented enough to beat Ecuador. But Ecuador should win this group. And I hope the Qataris manage a better effort against the Dutch, who look very, very one-dimensional. Cody Gakpo from PSV scored the goal early on, and he is becoming a big star. He's had two very well-taken goals. That's a good bright spot. But Memphis Depay came in. I didn't even see him. I forgot he came in. So the Dutch are not there yet. The Dutch are not there yet. They didn't look all that great in the first game, to be honest, either against Senegal. Ecuador is a great story. One of the youngest teams here. They are fearless and they are fit and they run teams out. This is a team that should win the group, and I know I'm jinxing them here, and probably make a quarterfinal or better. It's all part of a surprising day, another surprising day at the World Cup. England set back, the Dutch set back. The round of 16 and the quarterfinals are going to look much different than your typical World Cup. I think we know that now. And Ecuador has been inspiring, and so many more have been as well. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the U.S. We're going to take a quick break. We will come back with a relatively brief look ahead of Saturday's game, including two massive ones, Argentina, Mexico, France, Denmark, and Brian Dunseth will join us a little bit later on. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Before we preview Saturday's games, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you guys. I, I said I would watch every game, every World Cup game, and I've gotten up every morning a little bit after two. I kind of ease into the first halves of those early games. And I sit there on the couch, and even when I was sick, I was pushing through. But 
I fell asleep during the Senegal Qatar game. I've let you down. I promise this. Felt good though. Felt good. I mean, it was like good deep slumber from that first half. And I woke up. I was like, oh, oh, 60th minute. I, and I try to watch the first half again. I go, what are you doing? My wife's looking at me. Are you a lunatic? I mean, Senegal Qatar. Woo! Yee! Let's look at the uh, the menu for Saturday. Tunisia, Australia is the early game. Poland, Saudi Arabia. I didn't mention that as a big game. It's huge. It's huge. Might be for a top spot in the group. France, Denmark at 8 a.m. Pacific time. I'm sorry, I'm going from my perspective and uh, my lens. And 11 a.m. Argentina, Mexico. Quick thought about Tunisia, Australia. The North African teams have a really good opportunity here. Tunisia and Morocco to keep the momentum going. Tunisia probably should have gotten something more uh, against Denmark. Uh, the Eagles of Carthage have some exciting players along that team. Um, uh, by the way, an interesting story. Uh, Tunisian flags have been all over Doha uh, over the past week. An estimated 55,000 expats live in Qatar. So that's why you see this great Tunisian effect. There was an article in Australian press saying how Australia were going to get the three points against Tunisia. Very disrespectful, and that is bulletin board material. But this Tunisia team is worth taking a peek for. I think that'll be a good game to see if Tunisia can, in fact, steal a spot in this group, maybe at the expense of the Danes. Uh, Hannibal Mejbri, who is uh, a Manchester United midfielder with his great hair, he is a fun watch. And Wabi Kazri, who is the leading goal scorer, didn't play in the first game, likely to come in here. Australia took the lead against the French, uh, a goal by Craig Goodwin, but then the French ran right through them. This is a very limited Australia team. It's great that they're here, but I think Tunisia, it'll probably end up tied, but I, I tend to think Tunisia might get something, which will make the final match day really exciting. Poland and Saudi Arabia. We, uh, there's a video of Hervé Renard hyping up the uh, Saudi players. I posted on my social media. Check it out on my Instagram, Mbretos or TikTok. Max Bretos or Instagram. I said Instagram. Twitter, Max Bretos Sports. And the Saudis, um, be with Qatar slipping away, the Saudis have kind of become the impromptu hosts of the World Cup. They're actually set up at a camp. I got to see some video from this camp. It's 25 miles from the Saudi border, but it's an hour from Doha. Supposedly an incredible complex. It's the Saudis, right? They got the money. And they're training there and they commute back and forth. So they got a nice little system going. How could you not be impressed by Saudi Arabia? I also heard that every player got a Rolls Royce for the victory over Argentina. Forgive my ignorance. I assumed all the Saudi players had Rolls Royces uh, already. I figured that was par for the course if you represent the Saudi national team. You get a Rolls Royce. Again, forgive my ignorance. It's like the, 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 the Prince of Saudi Arabia handing out Rolls Royces. Of course, they're probably not the case. But they all have a Rolls Royce according to this report now. Saudi Arabia usually take their lumps in the World Cup. There was one exception. 1994, the U.S. World Cup. In that war, and that was uh, made famous by Saeed Al-Awaran. They lost to the Netherlands 2-1. Then they beat Morocco 2-1. Then they beat Belgium and they made the round of 16. Saudi Arabia is pretty close because of that Argentina victory to, to 
get to the round of 16. They're a big underdog against Poland. Uh, that's why I stay away from this one because I would think Saudis have a real shot here, but the sports book saying don't go that direction. They're saying Poland has a shot. If that's the case, Robert Lewandowski has to score a goal. Missed the penalty against Mexico, still hasn't scored a World Cup goal. Poland, just, just uns... I mean, they could benefit from all of this. They get a win, and what happens in the Argentina-Mexico game, they're in the driver's seat. Wouldn't that be crazy? Poland wins this group. It's not crazy at this point. And the win against Saudi Arabia puts them at four points. They're almost there. So it's an interesting game. Who would have thought Poland-Saudi Arabia would have had that kind of importance? But you've got to watch it because it will determine a lot in that group. Then we go to the France-Denmark game. That'll be at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We are, uh, we are watching the French intently to see what they can do because, you know, we said the impressive teams after the first match day, England, well, they took a step back. The other ones were Brazil and Spain, which, by the way, could be a quarterfinal. Are you kidding me? We'll see how they look in their second games. But now it's the French. We're anticipating them to take a step back because of the injuries, because it's hard to do it as a uh, reigning champion. History shows it's not supposed to happen. But how can you go against this French team? I think it's really interesting that all the big star players, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar. Neymar, uh, update on the injury. He's going to miss the rest of the group stages. I think Danilo, another player that Brazil is going to be missing. So uh, they didn't come out unscathed against the Serbia game. Are you surprised? I mean, those Serbians were... I mean, they look like my Tio Pepito with his machete down there in Cienfuegos, Cuba. Ka -ka -ka! Uh, Neymar gets... He gets the business. It's, it's really messed up. And we, we, we ridicule the roles and stuff. But watch the, watch the abuse that he receives in games. So, uh, so Brazil is a bit shorthanded. But back to France. Because of those big stars, maybe not hitting their spots. The distraction with Ronaldo. Messi crawling into a hole against Saudi Arabia. Kylian Mbappe maybe seizing that moment. He was fantastic against Australia. And now against Denmark. Remember, the Danes beat France home and away in 2022 in Nations League play. Beat them in Paris. There's probably some revenge here. I tend to think that Denmark has a good formula to beat the French. It'll be tough to do it three times. I had Denmark in a final. I had them winning this group. Uh, if I could redo my bracket, I would not have them winning this group. It's just hard to see them beating this French team when you add the fact that Thomas Delaney's out and he is a, a, a they're not very deep, the Danes. You know, they go 13, 14 players. Christian Eriksen has to step up. Someone's got to score a goal. Can, can Martin Braithwaite get in here? I mean, they looked, it wasn't that they didn't score a goal against Tunisia. They didn't get chances. It was, it was one of the better, the, when you think of the disappointing performances in the first round, Argentina is obviously at the top of that list, then Germany. And I would put Denmark right there. It was pretty, pretty disappointing. But it's a great game for the top spot in the group. Saturday is a really good day. Enjoy it. Maybe the best day yet because of the added bonus of Poland, Saudi Arabia. Finally, Argentina, Mexico. I think Argentina is damaged. I really do. Coming into this game, I think that Saudi uh, result leave a bruise. Um, I, if Argentina could win this group, I will gladly apologize. And I know they went 36 games without defeat. But 
you know, Fabrizio Romano, you know, the big, the biggest rider really in our business here, and he was saying how a lot of these Argentine players, uh, Leandro Paredes, Angel Di Maria, uh, didn't really have a great stretch of games ahead of the World Cup, and maybe that didn't prepare them the right way for this. You know, Lionel Messi was great for PSG heading to this World Cup, but some of Rodrigo de Paul didn't have a great run. I mean, Atletico have struggled. Now that they've come back together, when the pressure is on, they, they've got to find a way to, to get a result here. Uh, they really do. I mean, Mexico's in a position, if they tie this game, and then they get to Saudi Arabia, Mexico's got to feel good about their chances. But can Mexico win this game? You know, I was listening to Hugo Sanchez. I think he was uh, on one of the ESPN shows. And he said this is the best shot for Mexico to beat Argentina. They've met several times in the World Cup. And Argentina always gets the upper hand in the knockout stages. It was back-to-back World Cup. I think it was 06 and 2010. I could be wrong on that. This seems like an opportunity to, to, to see an Argentine team where the shine has come off. Lionel Scaloni... Um, he is a li- he's certainly concerned about uh, what is going to go here. And he is trying to defer from his team. Lautaro uh, of Argentina saying there is no pressure because we have confidence in our work. We have to stay calm because Mexico play with the ball a lot too. Tomorrow will be a final. It will be a final. Both these teams like to play. Maybe you get something similar to England-USA, which is great. This is going to be a, a fantastic game. Mexico can do it. They need that, just like the U.S., they need that number nine to get involved and score. Vega and Chucky Lozano were fantastic. In fact, statistically, after the first round of games, Chucky Lozano, number one in taking on defenders. Let them see do that. I, I, I think Mexico are quietly confident. Sometimes they say they're confident. They don't really mean it. This time, Mexico against the big teams and always poor in second games at the World Cup. This time, I think they'll be confident. I think they can get a point here, which would demolish Argentina's hopes. It would demolish them. So this is uh, that's going to be the nightcap on that uh, to be there. Uh, by the way, Chucky Lozano saying he always wanted to play versus the best. Messi is the best. It's something very beautiful, and whew, it's good. It, a lot of nervous Argentines, man. They can't be feeling good about this. And we head into Saturday, four good games, three really good games, two fantastically good games for your viewing pleasure. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily, proudly sponsored by Farmer John. Check it out. Start your day with some bacon and eggs and toast. Brian Dunseth, former U.S. international MLS legend, broadcaster extraordinaire, joins me next here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We promised a lot of big name guests here on uh, the World Cup Daily, and we're coming in hard. Brian Dunseth, who uh, did represent the U.S. men's national team. I'm sure you were locked down watching this game. How are you doing? How are you feeling after watching USA England? Yeah, listen, man, I was excited. I, I was excited. I'm excited about this group. I'm excited to watch this team continue to evolve. I thought we saw guts, determination. We saw technical ability. We saw tactical savviness from Greg Berhalter from the start with adjusting Timothy Weah going higher off the shoulder of Haji Wright. I thought we grew into the game uh, as was going to be expected with kind of the quality of these England players who we wake up really early here in the United States every weekend to watch some of the biggest names and the biggest clubs um, in England in the Premier League. So Listen, I, I said this to the guys at SiriusXM. I thought the pressure was on 
England. Now, it doesn't really make sense, but I'll try to explain why. Because they almost have nothing to gain, right? If they win, they're supposed to win. If they win, why didn't they win more? If they drew, why didn't you win? And if you lost, by God, why didn't at a bare minimum did you draw against those Americans that aren't really that good at soccer? So all of those things, I think, put a little bit more pressure on England. But then again, the England fans will say, Yo, all we need to do is get a positive result against Wales and we're through. It doesn't really matter. So the narrative's there. For the U.S. team, listen, I, I think we are watching a very young, dynamic group that while does not have the international caliber experience at the World Cup level, individually and collectively, what these players are doing with their domestic footballing campaigns, whether it be Europa League or Conference League or Champions League or Premier League or La Liga, where, wherever they play, we're watching these kids, maybe naively, step onto the biggest stage in the world yes. and have zero fear. And I think that's what we saw again today. Well, we saw it grow into this game because the first game naturally was going to have fear because everyone but DeAndre Yedlin was playing their first World Cup game. And I saw that growth and that is really encouraging. And by the way, I'm glad to have you on here so people can hear a different voice because they've been hearing me for five, six days straight (laughs) and probably ready to uh, smash their head against the wall. So uh, uh, I I want just touch on something because I know you watch a lot of Premier League. We follow you. You are. I mean, I get up early, sometimes not that early, but you watch a lot and these players of England, I know you felt you felt they were in an unwinnable situation, but it's um, it felt like a little shine came off. And even when the push came to shove, they were very no one wanted to step up. Hmm. No one wanted to be that guy and say that. And I thought that the undressing of, of that from the U.S. side is very encouraging in the big picture because the shines come off a little bit of England. Are they still a favorite? Sure. Are they a top hmm. on favorite? I don't think so. And, uh, you know, this was a big underdog. The U.S. did. And they. They should have won it. They should have won the game. Yeah. So what I what I would argue is that this team, um, we saw a group of young men take another step forward in breaking down what the mentality is about U.S. soccer, um, and and this is a step forward for the grassroots of U.S. soccer. This is a step forward for the club soccer uh, scene. This is for the domestic development programs that we've seen. And I know everyone has an opinion about development um, for everyone involved from this, this I, the idea of like ODP and DA and MLS pro and MLS, and then players going to Europe. All of these things I think are another very positive step forward for us soccer in general, just broad stroking. Because the reality is, listen, I'm not naive. I, I Well, I certainly am naive, but I'm not naive to the international conversation when it comes to U.S. players. And it's always been, we produce great goalkeepers. We produce really strong defenders. We produce really good defensive midfielders. We work and, harder than everybody. And here field, and there, yeah. we've got a couple of attacking options, but it's about spirit. It's about competition. It's about athleticism. And I think what we we saw today, and against Wales, we saw the same thing, was... And these guys can play technical skills. They can play. Yeah. Quick little bop, bop, little shimmy cherry all over the place. Throw a little spice in there. little spin, little combination play. But I come back to my conversation about the biggest need is the continued growth of this group of players to figure out how to score goals, (laughs) not just a goal, but to score multiple goals. Because that let it it all, it it doesn't feel like it should be all coming out and hopefully Iran, but they're expecting a defensive, uh, real defensive posture from Iran because a tie gets them in. They're so good. 
that's what they do best. But I, I, it's it's puzzling because I know the American public that's tuning in going, man, this is good, but where are all the goals? Nil, nil, zero, zero. I'm sorry, that's terrible. This is boring. Ah, Stupid change the put, it on, put it on the Cal UCLA football. That's really exciting. There's a, that's a joke. Get the there. ice skating committees going. <laughs> Get some cornhole up in here. <laughs> uh, but it's it feels like that that has to happen. But if, if they were so close, I mean, this is just an execution thing. And there was a step in the right direction. Do you, how does this, how do the group stages end here? I mean, we know we have a lot of time, but just your yeah. thought if the goals actually come, because that is the missing ingredient it is and and listen for those that have paid attention to qualifying and how good iran were during qualifying when you add carlos kirosh to the mix listen I, I think i think they got they 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 sunk themselves against england because they were so excited to prove themselves and i think it all fell apart from the goalkeeper situation to the defending to this transition play they still scored a couple goals against england right so you can still tell they have elements but the game got away from them I think one, the moment the first two goals happen, they start stretching, and next thing you know, they were just naive in terms of balancing the match against England. Man, against Wales, I thought they were in total control. Total control. It should have been four. Should have been four, potentially five nil. Um, That's the thing. They, they score. They scored four goals. Yeah, and I mean, Wales, the U.S. would kill to have four goals after two games. They have yeah, one. Yeah, and and Wales was really apathetic. I've been really really disappointed in this Welsh side that shows no desire to play other than to pump a ball up to Kiefer Moore, him drop it off to Gareth Bale, who then hits a sideways pass into space or ball down to the channel to Dan James. And hopefully his athleticism beats the attacking right back. Um, here's my concern. Pragmatic defensively, Iran, tough tackling, confrontational, and wants to kick the living ish out of you every chance they get. And, now you start thinking about who's available, who's not available. You're talking about fatigue. You talk about injury load. You talk about yellow card suspension. This is all positive for the United States, but I didn't want this game to be the penultimate situation for the United States because it's just, it's a, it's a, we take away the geopolitical situation, take away the, all the converse, conversation and everything that's happening right now in Tehran or Iran. This is one of those teams that are good. Yeah. And that can cause you a ton of problems. Um, so now as we are digesting these two U.S. performances, I think three out of the four halves, they've been the better team. And so they, I, well, I, I'd say, well, so let me take that. Say two and a half out of the four halves. They were Because it took them a while to grow into the first half. But I thought by the end of the first half, they were doing really well against England. So how do you now take all the positives while still being a, a, a acutely aware of, for me, back-to-back -back games for Christian Pulisic, that's a lot of workload on his shoulders. Gio Reyna, seven-minute appearance. Brendan Aronson, probably has got about 30 minutes underneath his belt. I thought Haji Wright was different than Josh Sargent, right? Different. Um, Timothy Weah, I thought it was dynamic uh, again. Weston McKinney showed his class against England from the first minute to the moment that he came off. I thought he was exceptional. I thought Eunice Musa was exceptional. I think Tyler Adams is the most important player on this team because he is just specta of a player. Um, and I think Tim Ream, in an odd way, is the biggest non-surprise and yet yeah. surprise because of we've seen the lack of involvement for him over the last 12 months. It's unbelievable. You mentioned enough players there that give the uh, us confidence. And by the way, for some reason, it doesn't go well on Tuesday. 
I will be thrilled. I'll be pulling for Iran to keep going because they're a great story. It's a good team and they showed their class, but we'll see. I know we have time to do it, but the U.S. it's right where they had. Brian, yeah. happy belated Thanksgiving. You Thanks too. for jumping me here. And uh, we'll hope to see you here soon here. Maybe go for a <laughs> ski up there in, in, in beautiful Utah. Maxie, you know, I love you. I'll talk ah, to you soon, bud. He's the best. Soccer OG World Cup Daily will be back tomorrow. We'll be recapping Mexico and hopefully a whole lot more on the U.S. We'll, we'll check out there. Check out all the social media handles. We'll see you tomorrow.